Alright guys, so we are on another episode of MC Anime. We are in the 13th episode of MC Anime today. And we have federal co-host. Hey everybody, what's up? It's Leah again. I hope you're enjoying all of these episodes and you're ready for today's episode. And in case you don't know, Leah will bring the swag where I bring the anime knowledge that I have. You didn't have to do that. <laughs> we didn't need to do that to anybody. We've been through this. Yeah. So uh, uh, what, we're, what we're talking about today is a very particular topic about um, what makes a good live action movie in the terms of anime wise. Yeah. Uh, this, this was tough. Why was it tough? Because... Normally, when we do our topics, it's fine. Like, uh, for the most part, I've seen most of the stuff we're either going to be talking about, or if not, I'm fine watching it. But live action movies is like, I don't know, it's like the third ring of hell. Like, you have to, you got to <laughs> hunker down. I had to, like, get supplies. I had to get snacks. Had to talk myself into it. And I was just like, we can do this. And then, like, by the third movie, I was like, I got to get out of here. Like, fighting my way out. But... It was it was it was fun. It was just very traumatic. Movies, if I watched like three movies in two days and then another movie, that's pretty good. Well see, I messed up. I watched like one movie on Thursday, um, and then I watched all of them last night. Like all of them <laughs> yesterday. I wa- but I don't I did it to myself. Yeah, this is this is a this is a me problem, but uh <laughs> You oh, were well. telling me that you were spreading it out. Like, I'm going to do it Thursday, then do one Friday, then do one well, Saturday. I well, I went out on Friday because I forgot it was my friend's birthday. So Friday, Ooh. I lost the whole day. I, I just lost Friday everything. Friday was having a fun time. Yeah, I went outside. I saw, like, live action people doing live action things. Forgot about okay. the live action movies. And so you, were getting, <laughs> you were getting really good practice for the live action discussion. Oh, Yeah. Yeah, unfortunately, <laughs> I told them I was watching these, and they were like, "Oh, good luck!" Like my friends watch anime, and they were just like, "All right, farewell, farewell, friend." <laughs> and they just and yeah, you do. They actually they actually turned out really good. So, well, yeah, like the ones we we have today to talk about for good um, anime adaptations, those weren't the problem. I I didn't like I did it to myself where I just watched yeah. like a little bit of the Attack on Titan. And that was just bad. I start. I rewatched Death Note. That was wrong. Shouldn't have done that to myself. It was a lot. But yeah. we'll, we'll we'll talk about it more <laughs> about the trauma <laughs> and the good stuff. So uh, the movies that we are actually discussing that we chose specifically for this episode was Gintama, the live action movie, uh, Ryo Yumi Kenshin, I want to Pancreas, and Detective Pikachu. Yeah, all of those movies, um, they're great films, uh, especially like so the Ramoni Kenshin one, I think is the only one on this list that actually is um, it's a series. So there's three Ramoni Kenshin movies on Netflix. Like four installments. Is it four? Yeah. I thought it was three. Yeah, they're they're all really, really good and they do stick to the source material really well. So I, I love I love the Ramoni Kenshin movie. I watched the first one and was super excited. So now let's talk about Gintama. 
All right, so Gintama was hilarious. And you told me that the first time we picked this topic, like you told me earlier in the week that it was hilarious. I've seen, I've watched all of like the original Gintama, like the anime. Yeah. Um, the movie took me out. Like the movie, I don't know, I don't understand how they were able to pull it off so well because <laughs> Gintama has such wild, like crack humor, but they, they did it. Like they, <laughs> everyone was ridiculous. Everything that was happening, I was just like, this is so stupid. I love Shinpachi and like either either one. And it was just it was good. It was just good all over. And how they did how they stayed to the original source material in Gintama was really the saving grace for the movie itself. Oh, absolutely. If they didn't do that and try not to like, for example, you know, the ridiculousness of the characters up notch. Everything going on, the costume-wise actually seem natural within the universe. Mm-hmm. Um, also, one thing they did really well, which most movies don't do, is talking the fourth wall to the audience. Oh, but that's a that's a Gintama like yes. staple. That's just that's a part. A, of, I think, yeah, yes. yeah. And if they didn't do that, it would actually lose a like a a big piece of what Gintama is. Mm-hmm. Because they yeah. always talk to the audience. I, oh they, yeah, that's their thing. Oh yeah. If they didn't do that, it'll actually take a peel away from the anime itself. So yeah, if the what, anime is known to do something super out of the ordinary, mm-hmm. more chances or not, you need to do that to capture the aesthetic in the anime you're trying to do in a live action adaptation. No, I totally agree. I think that the best thing, especially with Gintama or even like uh, like JoJo's, the live action mm-hmm. one, is that you know it's ridiculous. And I think that's the thing about anime that a lot of people have critiques yeah. on is that it's so it's so wild and it's like full of these like fantasy aspects and there's like all these different aesthetics coming together. But it's still wild to the to a regular person who would just watch Star Wars. Like even though they watch Star Wars and they're seeing like aliens and Jedi's and all of that. Watching an anime live action to them is like, what is happening? But Gintama <laughs> does it really well because they, they make fun of it. They literally talk about how wild some of the characters look. And they're like, yeah, I think that's just a guy underneath a costume. And they're like, yeah, we're not supposed to mention that. Like, we're not supposed to say that out loud. And it seems like those that make it more comfortable, like, at least someone said something about it, <laughs> you know, where it's like when they change out a character in a show, like they just change out the actress and they never say anything. Like in Fresh Prince, they changed out the moms. You're just like, are you going to address this? Like, this is a completely different person. So I think being aware of people being kind of apprehensive or thinking that it's kind of strange is what makes Gintama just that much better. Well, also another thing that Gintama did really well is the clothing on the character and the betrayal of the characters was really believable. The clothing did not look like cosplay. It looked like the character. And there's a yeah. difference between the character, an actor wearing cosplay, and actually authentically looking like the character. I'm sorry. Well, that's, that's true. You, that's true. You, because the cosplay is... Okay. <laughs> oh, boy. The cosplay look is really like a dress-up of the character. 
Mm-hmm. Now, to actually portray a character, you need to take consider, you know, if you're going to wear a wig, make it make an t- extension of your wig. You know, don't have a wig just flopping around. It needs to be it needs to be like stowed on or in a in a sense put on so it doesn't come off. You know. When it comes to live action wigs, we we talked about this. I know the budgets are small, smaller for these movies, but they can afford to buy better wigs. These wigs look like Party City, like you just got them for like Halloween. They're really glossy. Why do they do that? The wigs look so shiny. And then it looks like if that person accidentally tripped, like they always do in anime, it's like if they do that tripping scene, that wig is going to fly. Like it's just going to take off. And do its own thing for the day. And you know, mm-hmm. even with uh, Gintama's character, um, uh, let's see, Rashuku, yeah, his the white hair looked genuine. And even mm-hmm. uh, the person from the the other the alien, she looked really good too. I mean, even like I think the thing I noticed first off with the Gintama with the movie is that of course you're introduced to Gintama, but yeah. instead of them making his hair kind of like that, that icy blue that it shows up in, in the anime, they yeah. made it more silver. So it yeah. like, it's not so shocking. I think, I mean, like they still, like there was a bunch of other stuff that was crazy yeah. and nonsensical, but I think making his hair that silverish color and making it kind of look like it actually belonged on his head made it a lot yeah. better. And then they literally had like, there was that mm-hmm. scene with the guy who served ramen who just had like a wig plopped on his head to pretend he wasn't bald. Like, they knew <laughs> what was bad <laughs> compared to, oh, like, this is yeah. how they're supposed to look. So, yeah, 100%. I would have liked the, the essence they captured in Kagawa. Yeah. The they fight did her great. That, that she did, the quickness and dodging and going around and the Wacky fighting style that she had was pictured capturely. I think all of the fight scenes actually. Um, yeah. And I I don't know like if you've ever seen the yeah. videos, but there's like there's content creators out there who will make like TikToks or they used to make like vines or whatever. So they make these short clips of them doing like cosplay of whatever characters like from Naruto or Dragon Ball Z but they make like short little skits of their fight scenes and they're really quick and they have the sound effects and all of that and it looks way better than what we have seen from the live action movies and they had this that fighting style was perfectly shown in Gintama so you were like oh this Mm. is a this is a badass fight like they're going really fast (laughs) they're hitting shit they're breaking walls like they're slashing the life out of each other and so you're like oh this is awesome (laughs) rather than and it wasn't 50 million like cuts they weren't like doing so many edits to make the scene seem faster it looked really good they actually generally took the time to go to the source material see what was going on in the fight the escalating action to the fight and execution of the fight is really good in that sense. I loved it. I absolutely love it. Um, were there any other I'm trying to think what else was good for Gintama? Oh gosh. You had to do the other sidekick. Right. 
<laughs> you're right. You're right. But Toa, I think, I think his name. Which one? Uh, it was the alliances with uh, in Sock, cause yeah, Gintoki, his friends. Oh, Gintoki. Yeah. Yeah. What's the other one? Um. Are you talking about the like Shinsei Gume? Shinsei Gume? I can yeah. never say their name. Yeah. I mean. Uh, Katsua, I think. Yeah, Katsua. Katsua. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's Katsua. So his real name. They bicker with each other a lot. Gintoki often treats him as an annoyance, but they have a complete trust in each other and close friends. Uh, I really think Katsua was awesome. <laughs> the scene where they're on the ship, and he's like, Saying I'm not here to fight. I have no intention to fight. But yeah, yes. you're here with sword and you're here to fight. Where's your army? I was like, I don't have no army. Oh, <laughs> you're by yourself. <laughs> <laughs> that was so all funny. Of the, all of the actors did an amazing job in the Gintama movie. <laughs> I I think that was like one of the few movies where I was like, everybody came to work today and they were like, We are doing this movie. No one slacked up. No one was unbelievable. I like you fully get immersed in the world and the ridiculous of what's happening from the very beginning and to the very end. And it, if anything, it made me want to go and watch Gintama. Um, and I was just like, I want, I want the foolishness to continue. The conversations yeah. that they have um, <laughs> are hilarious. Where they actually like. I, I think the whole style of Gintama just works really well for these types of movies, like live action movies. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, did you also see some of the parodies that they did? Yeah. They Devil oh Fruit, my god, they Blue always Green. do Yeah. <laughs> um, what else what other parodies they did in the live action movie? There's also other references too. Yo, they did uh like, you know, Ham Taro. They kept yeah. saying like Hotaro or something like that. Um yeah. I think they did they do Dragon Ball Z? Yeah, they did Dragon Ball Z. Yeah. yeah, they they did a Dragon Ball Z re- reference too. Yeah, the one I w- clearly remember is when it. Oh, they did uh, Valley of the Winds. Oh, you're right. You're right. <laughs> the hoverboard and Valley of the Winds. I freaking can't. It's like they they just know what they're doing. Like they were like, why not? And I love because like even if you watch Gintama, whatever you love, like you may think you love something that they would never reference. And the whole show, all the way through, because it's tons of episodes, it's like hundreds, and they hit on everything. So I love that the movie incorporated that too. But then like they found a way to keep everything that made Gintama like the heart of it. And yeah. still keep it in the movie, but also, you know, you got a full story out of it. Um, so did you want to move to the next movie? Yeah. What's our I next one? Ramoni uh, Kinchin. Yeah, Winnie Kinchin. I I love Ramoni Kinchin. I I'm not I'm gonna be completely honest. In when the first one in the first one when it starts up, this isn't even a spoiler. Like his name is literally Ramoni Kenshin, the Batosa, the Manslayer. And I don't know why I laughed, but there was a scene where these guys in the alleyway 
literally yelled out his name. They were like, be on guard. It's the Batosa. And I was like, you know what that means? And they still tried to fight him. And then there was one guy who was like, I don't want to die. I have family. I have someone who's waiting for me. I want to live. But he kept fighting Kenshin. Like Kenshin would like just cut him and then be like, all right, I'm leaving. And the guy would get back up and try to fight him. That scene, that was the only scene where I genuinely laughed, even though I know the, it's not supposed to be a comedy. But that was the one funny oh, yeah. scene. It's like five minutes in. But um, hands down, I think it's one of the better adaptations I've seen in a hot minute. Um, and it just works well. Like, everybody loves Samurais. Oh, yeah. And also, with when it was released in 2012, it had $36 million domestically and $60 million worldwide. So it even had success overseas, too. It did more overseas than it did in Japan. Thankfully, because that's that's really what you need for these movies. You need them to be not only successful domestically, but internationally. It's just kind of where the money's at now. Oh, yeah. And, you know, if we go back to international sales, anime is being consumed at a lo- very large rate, and the anime industry can't keep up. Mm-hmm. So if we take that in consideration... These movies being live action, even in the smallest scale, even the few that are actually all good, get a, like an English adaptation or the English dubbing as well. Right. I think when Kenshin, because of its success, was able to get uh, some dubbing, I think, didn't it? English dubbing? Or um, least- I, no. Yeah, I think it does yeah. have an English dub to it. I watched it in sub um, because I was afraid that if I watched it in, in dub, kind of like what happened with people who watch Squid Games in dub, where they were like, this is a, what happened? <laughs> like, in the, in the Korean, like, regular, um, like, translation for English, it's fine. Yeah. Just watching sub was fine. But I think everyone who watched dub said it was terrible. So I, I didn't want to mess up my viewing experience if I didn't need to. No, I understand that. And, you know, but, um, with, with Kenshin as a particular whole, the series is very fresh and like, really is a really good depiction of samurai life. Mm-hmm. And, you know, how they captured the character, to me, it felt like a genuine a it felt genuine in the sense of characterization, and the narrative was also spot on too. What do you think about the narrative? Um, I think the narrative actually really worked. I think it helped transition the story and kind of bring things along. Um, I find personally, when it comes to anime movies, if I didn't know anything about it and I was trying to keep up with some of the like the ones that aren't great, that could be hard. Uh, because you're trying to take in like not only the world but the characters, what's happening to them. So a lot of things can get breezed over. I think uh, narration also worked for Ramoni Kenshin just from the the literal like it, um like the tone of the story because it's not super bright and bubbly and beautiful and lighthearted, kind of like you know one of the Pokemon movies or something. Yeah. I think narration just fits into the storytelling of it. 
quite and also during this time, during the Meiji period in the like 1978, and also you have to give that this is when samurai class is like really in a decline. So it actually captures what was going on and the how samurai was still good to that point, and there were like a few the factions of it and how it was slowly declining, it really fits the period in which they were trying to write it. Yeah. Um, and I think it also helps just because as it lends to people not, like, not doing the assumption that people would just know what you're talking about or yeah. understand it. Like, explaining what Batosai means, explaining, like, the Muji area, um, era, explaining what's happening in history or in that time because for international audiences, it, even if you read the Ramoni Kenshin mangas, like when you were younger, which I did, I still was like, what was happening during this time? It's not American history. It's, it's a completely different country. So getting that kind of refresher and everything being packed together, I think it really helped. I, I never felt out of the story from it. Than Gintama was. Because <laughs> Gintama was just like, Samurai in disguise. I don't really say like, <laughs> definite samurai movie. It's like, nah, it's not a definite samurai movie. Kenshin is a definite samurai based anime. Well, Gintama, they are samurai, and the way they did it was like they they were samurai, then the space people came down, and everyone was like, <laughs> Why do we need swords? They just taught us how to travel space. And like the samurai, <laughs> that that was that's the the thing about Gintama is that it's like it's such an odd thing to happen. And it, if it was like if if space aliens came down in Ramoni Kenshin, I could totally see that being like turning into Gintama, where it's just like okay, I guess it's regular life now. I guess we I guess since we don't need swords. Oh. You never bring, well, instead of you never bring a gun to a, a, a sword fight, no, you never bring a, a knife to a, gun, a sword fight. You don't bring a, a gun to a gun sword fight. <laughs> 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 I just kept getting to a wilder, wilder say, and I'm just like, you don't get there. <laughs> you don't find it. <laughs> yeah, I. Also, the like how we talked about in Gintama, the fight scenes in Ramoni Kenshin were really well done. Um, I do think, like, like Gintama, because it's like a uh, crack humor, the yeah. like the injuries and the stabs and all of that. Some of them look kind of goofy and kind of corny, but that's also to be expected uh, yeah. from whatever budget they have. But Ramoni Kenshin actually did theirs really well. Um, yeah. And a lot of it was super believable. And also, I just, like, you, you're you like, whoa, these fight scenes and the way they had to choreograph it, like, if he is one-handed or he has no hands, like, his hands are bound or something. And, like, the way they, fit, like, showed the manga fight and actually transitioned those into a live-action adaptation, I thought was really, really good. They were smooth. Oh, yeah. I feel the, like... The budget they have, they did really well with. It's an example of a limited budget doing it well with. They didn't have yeah. a huge budget. 
And in, in doing so, they were able to make the story with the budget they had. So that takes an actual interpretation of the script and overall pacing of the movie. I think the pacing was really good. Um, and also, well, for Ramoni Kenshin, the one thing I can say is that since they, since it is a four-part series, they're actually able to tell the story in a very, in a very natural way without them rushing. I think that it's kind of like an issue that can happen if you have a standalone movie from any franchise. You're trying to get all of the really important characters introduced, big scenes like done, emotional point hit while still like transitioning from place to place or scene to scene. And that can be really hard. I think Ramoni Kenshin just worked because they they had it in their mind that they were gonna do multiple parts from the jump. So they did not like squish everything into one. And also the budget they had was $10 million. That's insane. That's so low for all they had to do, but they still pulled it off. Honestly impressed. Well, actually, you know, movies, and uh, movies like uh, Sharknado, they had like a hundred thousand dollars, and you know how ridiculous Sharknado is, right? I know. I just, I'm sorry. I, I'm like, yeah, let's let's analyze these movies, and then you just brought up Sharknado for no reason on my good Sunday. <laughs> now I'm thinking about all the death scenes in Sharknado. Moving a point. That the $10 million budget with tension is pretty reasonable in the terms of having a budget, but for an actual movie, it's very low. Well, my, what I'm saying is that when it comes to these movies, especially when it comes to art, I think in general, um, these big corporations are afraid to throw a lot of money into something that they personally haven't seen any big numbers from. So mm-hmm. I, I, that's what I'm saying. Like them only having 10 million, like the Dragon Ball Z movie, I think had like a $30 million budget. Um, <laughs> yeah. Like they had a $30 million budget and look what happened. Look, look how they literally caused all of us to go to therapy while Ramoni <laughs> Kinshin only had 10 million and, was able to not only make a great movie and do even better internationally than um, the DBZ live action, but they also were able to create three more movies afterwards that all are good standalone. Uh, you know, if you compare it to a movie like Iron Man, Iron Man has a $140 million U.S. budget. $140 million compared to $10 million. It's 14 times more what Kenshin had. It's it's just it's it's um it's interesting to see, but also I just think and in retrospect it's also just the story itself yeah. and how the director handled it, um handled it and took care of it. So yeah. it's I a lot of the director's version in most of these movies is the final it's literally the sex of the movie or not. If the director can Make the movie into a good live adaptation, live action adaptation, then the appeal of the legacy of the live action can live on. Mm-hmm. 
And it's like, oh, I remember the live action. Or, yeah, they had a live action. And then, and then they look at it and it's like, that's really well. You know, they look at it and have good reviews, like 8.7 and all that stuff. So the quality of the movie lives on. Even if, you know, people don't look at the live action adaptation, they still have that as a, what we call a, a, a winning ticket they can put and boast about, you know? No, you're absolutely right. Like, I think boasting, about, not just boasting about it, but just yeah. having proof. <laughs> like, just having, I have recognition <laughs> that my movie that we did, or even the creator can be probably like, say, I like this adaptation of my work. Yeah, you know, claim it. Which... Feel happy at least uh, even a brief second is no is like more rewarding than you think. Because they mm-hmm. put so much work into making the manga, and the you know the text of the anime and the live action just continuing uh, success and other adaptations. You know, even theatrical production was made in Kenshin as well. So it goes to show you that you know all these different forms of the same brand that you made is really telling in itself. Yeah. And I mean, we are getting closer to that, which um, I think we're kind of going into like that stage two of anime influence and like integration yeah. into main mainstream culture. So I'm loving to see that. I wonder what it's going to turn into and if we'll eventually get just consistently good in and actually enjoyable movies and not them being the like few gems that are shining through all the like rubbish that is being produced when they're being produced. Um, all right. So, I want what's introduced. I want to eat your pancreas or let me yes. eat your pancreas. I want to eat your pancreas. Now to be noted, <laughs> um, I did not watch this one. This is the only one on the list that I didn't get to. Um, did you crash? Just, well, it was your downfall. Yeah, it was my downfall. I messed up. I, I, I like watched Death Note for no reason. I was like, I was doing a comparison and then I didn't get to I Want to Eat Your Pancreas. But <laughs> I do, I do have some, uh, like, I guess points on it that I saw from other people talking on it. But um, do you want to tell them basically the plot of it since you did watch it? Okay, so the plot of I Want to Eat Your Pancreas. Um... We are introduced to someone having a pancreatic cancer, and someone finds out in her uh, coexistence disease journal that she has pancreatic cancer. But the thing is, the two characters are totally separate in popularity. She won't having the cancer is popping the score why he's just a nobody. So. She takes him and explores the secret with him and only tells him and not tell anyone else at the school. Mm-hmm. So his relationship with her is a really weird dynamic. What do you think of that? For the movie itself? I mean... Yeah. You're the only one at school that knows you ha- that uh, I don't. I don't even think it's just like cancer, and they don't want anyone else to know. Even the best friend 
Tikio doesn't know. Yeah, like I think the thing that makes it that much harder is because she told it to like the most introverted, quiet guy at the school because they're completely different in their popularities. Like she's yeah. like, you know, she's got friends, she's well known, people think she's beautiful. Um, and then he's the quiet guy who's kind of like indecisive. Um, and so h- him getting this information, like one, probably just being shocked that this girl is talking to him. And actually sharing something about herself that's really secretive, but also yeah. now that he can't talk to anyone about it. But it's also yeah. a really heavy secret to have because it's it's like she's dying, she's sick, <laughs> and it's you 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 feel it's a feeling of powerlessness. But also like, how does he handle that? How do you talk to so you can't talk to anyone? So you just I don't know. You have to just sit there. Oh yeah, you, you just sit there with that trauma. <laughs> you just yeah. you trauma bond. I don't know. Haluki. Comes across a book in the hospital waiting room. He soon discovers that it's very a diary kept by his very popular classmate Sakura, who reveals that she's secretly suffering from a fatal pancreatic illness. Despite this, Sakura intends to maintain a normal school life, and thus is drawn to Hiroyuki due to his relatively unfazed reaction to her condition. They begin to spend time together and become friends. Yeah. And it, it's it uh, just for people to know if you are going to watch it um, or watch the anime, they are both um, tearjerkers. I don't think yeah. you didn't cry, Mason. No. You 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 no. messaged me. <laughs> I was like at the gym, like having having a good old day. I'm just like, yeah, fitness, <laughs> trying to live long. And then he messages me, and he was just like, not a single tear, not a not even a thug <laughs> tear. Like I was like, damn, like you couldn't pour one out for the homie. He <laughs> was nothing, and I'm just like, well. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I watched your lie in April and didn't have the same. I didn't have. I had the same reaction too. I love the series. It was good. I diagnosed well. it. I diagnosed it as just. You, I don't know. It's just your dislike of Splice of Life, like we talked about in the last episode. And I told you this. I was like, look, I guess it's just not your genre, man. It's like even okay. even what? even though it's super sad, you were just like, eh. okay. You know what got me. Was Conrad? Conrad got me. <laughs> okay. Conrad is just that is made to hurt you. Like whatever that you're doing, that got it, me tearing up. Okay. Yeah. If you're having like a good time in your life, don't watch it. <laughs> <laughs> but no, everyone like um. So there is there's a series for let me um I I want to eat your pancreas or let me yeah let me eat your pancreas for the 2017 live action. But there is also an anime movie um, that they made as well in like 2018 called I Want to Eat Your Pancreas, which is, you know, in the same style as the the actual anime. Mm -hmm. And I heard both were good. I think I think definitely for anime fans, um, you'll probably prefer the anime movie uh, because you're not switching mediums. You're not switching between artistic styles. But both both hold up like both are really good. So. I know I'm gonna watch it and cry because uh, mm. I it's just that's just what's probably gonna happen. Yeah. It's just gonna be really sad watching this girl cry and live like every day as if she doesn't have this very terrible disease or this terrible yeah. affliction, and then watching them become closer as friends. It's like knowing the ending to a book, but you're still reading oh, it. Yeah. And if, for anyone that doesn't know what what the title means. I want to eat your pancreas. It's basically don't tell them, don't tell them, don't tell them. Metaf- 
it's it's soccer. It's a metaphor. You have to, no. You it is yeah. look look when I and I know exactly like the part that really gets people. Yeah. So once y'all get there and then it all comes together. So don't don't ruin it for them. Let them let the, let them hurt. <laughs> Nathan, I know it's you just, did not. Metaphor, I know you so. made it through the day. <laughs> like you you enjoyed the rest of your day just chatting, having a great time in the artist alley, but let these people let these people feel paid. I, and, I, watched, I watched that like days before it? the Oh yeah, that's alley. true. Oh yeah, and see, you're perfectly fine. See, this man different, completely built different. Meanwhile, <laughs> I know I'm going to cry, so and it now is I need to a video of you tearing up. <laughs> Just be that's so messed up, but uh, honestly, <laughs> um, and I, I, I did hear like I know that the acting in the movie is actually really good. Like the acting in the movie I heard was was pretty decent. Like from all the characters, yeah. um, and since since you watched it, um, yeah. I saw this comment floating through like forums mm. and chats and stuff a lot for it, but mm. they were saying that the main thing that they didn't like because these are people who watch the anime um or watch the movie mm. is that the uh in the live action the the main guy not gonna sit here in line and say I know his name. Um yeah. Yeah. They were just saying that his character was I guess a, I guess the same all the way through Takumi. Takumi? I don't know. Um that like the way he started out and then you kind of see him open up a little bit in the middle when they're like getting closer to each other. And then at the end, they're like, no, nah, he's still pretty much the same. Is, did you see that when you watched it? Did you think the character oh, changed okay, at so all? He's pretty much static through a lot of the movie, except for the end when he's actually fulfilling the promises that he promised to Sakura. Okay. He okay. okay. Comes through to the promises and actually, and I can't, I don't want to get into detail about the promises that he makes to Sakura because the promises that he makes you see in the end being fulfilled. Okay, perfect. Alright. That was and, just the one thing I was just like, yeah. oh, I wonder. It's, like, it's basically that transformation at the end that you see. You see the revelation at the end instead of the middle or the beginning for his character. Got you. Okay. And, and the way they tell the story in the movie is a flashback of his experiences with Sakura. And he's coming back to the school to at the same library where Sakura wanted to be a library committee with him to just because mm -hmm. of you know, just to be with him to talk about all these things. They go on a trip, you know, they plan different things and actually in some cases perform the bucket list. So you see different aspects and how okay. he was able to give comfort to her in this situation and not quote unquote, not be a boyfriend or a friend, just be the Mr. Plain Guy. Uh, what's, mm -hmm. What does she call him? Uh, oh gosh. What's he call him? Like Mr. Ordinary? Mr. Yeah, plain, no. Mr. Plain, um, Mr. Wannabe, or yeah, stuff like that. He keeps calling him Mr. Something else. And also, as an important note, um, 
Hiwuki does not call her by her surname. They do the last name throughout the movie. Okay. And that has significance, and you need to watch it to see why it's significant. Mm-hmm. So. All right. I mean, it sounds like it sounds like a, a really good watch. Just as, as a standalone, I feel mm-hmm. like I think also because it and, is a slice yeah. of life film, you can actually just watch it without feeling like you need to know the source material. I because... feel like it's a better Fallen Night Stars, to be honest. It's a better version of Fallen Night Stars. It's actually, it's even better. Wild. Well, I, mean, right. well, I haven't Stars seen No, no, no. Really? Like, I haven't seen it, so I'm not arguing it. I'm yeah. just saying, personally, for me, I see Fallen Night Stars, and I... I cried all the way through that. So if um like that. Let <laughs> you me eat your fingers or want to eat your fingers. Yeah. If I just, cry through that one, yeah. all right. Well, you know, if you cry, send me a crying emoji. I got you. <laughs> <laughs> um all right, and then the last one on our list is uh Detective, Detective Pikachu, Pikachu, which oh. is I love it. I love that movie. I can't hands down love it. It's, gosh, there's so much to talk about. Like, they took the video game Detective Pikachu, put it into a live action. So, they basically took the waters and, you know, made a video game into the live action adaptation. Which they didn't, it didn't go straight to an anime, it was just a video game. So, in that sense, a lot of times, if you if it's the if that's the first time it's been a second adaptation like that, and you, you you portray it really well, the appeal and the audience base to that second adaptation can be more drawn to it. This is why Harry Potter did so well because of that reason. Well, I mean, Harry Potter just went from the books just straight to the movies. Like yeah. yeah, they didn't they didn't make like a series or anything. And honestly, for Harry Potter, yeah. I think it it yeah, I think it plays out better just being movies because also the movies aren't short. Like we're not these aren't yeah. an hour and twenty minutes. Like they're you all sit down. You're you take take a day off if you're gonna watch Harry Potter. Yeah. Um, but no, but we have that like like it was meant for a movie medium mm-hmm. definitely. And the and the story of you know trying to find the missing, uh, what's it? They're trying to find the missing father, I think. Yeah. So Ryan Reynolds goes missing, and like all they have is like I don't know some video of the crash and his Pikachu that for some reason can now also talk <laughs> talk human talk human speak and um mm-hmm. has no actual memory of what like what really happened and i thought i loved it i mean i i like the way they set it up and i think i think the best part about it is that they established from the beginning because also everyone knows what freaking pokemon is so they didn't have to explain to you what a pokemon is um they also like they they can do this huge world and then have a few lines where they explain stuff like you know this is pokemon city this is how it was founded like duty's quick um, like expositions, and then everything else you just get on into it, 
And you, and yeah. I think they did that really well in the first like 10, 15 minutes of the movie. Mm-hmm. So you knew who your characters were, what the problem was. They gave us a little bit of action. And then we got into Pokemon. Like he left his small town. So we didn't have to sit there and dilly dally there with characters that we probably weren't going to see again. And we got straight to Pokemon City. I loved it. Ace Detective Harry Gordon goes mysteriously missing, promoting his 21-year-old son, Tim, to find out what happened, aiding in the investigation. Is Henry's Harry's former Pokemon partner, wisecracking, adorable, super, super aloof Detective of Pikachu. Finding mm-hmm. that they are uniquely equipped to work together, as Tim is the only human can hear can talk with Pikachu. They join yes. forces to unravel the table mystery. Yeah, it's and it's a good watch. I think it's I think it's fun. Um, the yeah. main appeal of it is that everyone can watch it. It didn't end mm-hmm. up being one of those uh, movies or adaptations where you were like, "Oh, this is just for kids." Um, even though, yes, it is definitely marketed to kids. They didn't have like a bunch of bad cuss words or anything or wild themes showing up, but adults who grew up with Pokemon and all the people who did uh what was it Pokemon Go? Yeah. Was that the game? Yeah. yeah. Um like all of that was like it brought people together. So it has a very inclusive culture. So even the people who say like, oh anime is for kids, still went and saw the movie like the Detective Pikachu movie and thought yeah. it was great and gave it rave reviews. And I think that kind of lends a good hand in favor of more um, well-made anime movies, like the better the reception to something like this, which was a standalone. I think they're making a second one. I believe they're making a second one, but as a standalone, it wrapped itself up and we can just keep it pushing. Everyone loves it. Now we can get more. With the the actual depiction of the Pokemon in real Mm -hmm. life was spectacular. I loved it. Because they gave them a budget. <laughs> like They gave them a budget. And also, like, they build Ryan Reynolds. Ryan Reynolds, even in, um, like, yeah. even in his Deadpool movies, they are not going to give him, like, a bad, um, like, a bad movie intentionally. They're not going to yeah. put him in something where he's like, this looks like crap. So I love that the the budget was, like, allowed for you to really get into it. Like, what was it? Uh, when the mountains were actually Pokemon, and yeah. they had that whole action, that was so good. Like that was yeah. one, that was one of the moments where I was like, "Dang, I wish I would have saw this in like IMAX or 3D or something." I bet this look would have looked dope. Like Kid Me was losing her mind. I was like, "Gotta catch a ball!" And like I'm in my, I'm just so excited watching mm-hmm. the movie. Um, because everything looked realistic. Like it didn't yeah. look, it didn't look silly. Everything looked good. And this movie, if, if it had a low budget, the appeal of it would actually be less. This is one of those movies that the $150 million budget, like it actually had a pretty good sized budget compared to others. The reason why is because of so much to do with the Pokemon and the scale of the city. They had mm-hmm. to portray it they had to get it together to even do it. That's what I really like. Well, I mean, so they for... Had, also, Pokemon had a really good recognition in the world already. It's, you know, Pokemon's the second largest franchise. 
No. Pokemon is the largest franchise in the world. Yes. Hello Kitty is the second. Yes. But I mean, so, you're also, I think you also have to lend a hand to the fact that yeah, one of the things that makes these stories good, like in all, in all the ones that we have talked about, so like, yeah. let me eat your pancreas, they could stay to the source material and didn't have to do too much in regards of adaptation. Yeah. But Detective Pikachu, you already had the foundations of what makes Pokemon mm-hmm. great. And because we don't need to see Ash out there doing the same thing he's yeah. been doing for like 25 years. We're, we're watching it from like a different story point, but with all the elements that we know yeah. and love. So it doesn't feel like a cheap knockoff, but at the same time, it feels fresh. And I yeah. think Gintama did that well because the Gintama is all about all, basically just side quests. If you're watching Gintama, you're just watching someone go through side quests. And then yeah. like every now and then the main story comes up. And then <laughs> with Ramoni Kenshin, there is a lot of like side stories, even in the manga yeah. of different characters. And I think it's just a good way to work around yeah. without having fans be like, this isn't in like, this isn't how the manga went, like avoiding that um, or avoiding them complaining. It's not exactly like the anime by focusing on, you know, yeah. this different, this different main, main guy. But again, it's still like, it's a young, a young boy who got his first Pokemon. That's a Pikachu. And they're going on these adventures together. And then he has his sidekicks, which like completely reflect from what we know with Pokemon with Ash and Pikachu and how he started his journey. And I, and an absent father, they kept that too. Like Ash, who well, is Ash's father? I don't know. Um, well, apparently started- <laughs> Giovanni is, is be his father in the conspiracy theories. These are the internet videos that I need to watch. <laughs> I know we have global warming to worry about, folks, but let's figure out who who the father is. Giovanni is probably the best uh, case I've saw, just because of how absent he is and all yes. that. Yes. Oh my God! Wonderful. Now I can get into that today. <laughs> Once we get off this call. Um. Yeah, but I, I absolutely, I, I think the way they did it in Detective Pikachu, and they didn't, um... Well, they also captured the game, too. Yes. They absolutely captured the game and the feeling in the people that played it. They didn't stay for, they didn't stray away from the storyline, they did the storyline, even though it was two hours, mm-hmm. the portrayal that they did was really good, the pacing felt nice, it didn't feel like it needed an extra hour to like give it way over the edge and just they kept it at two hours which is really impressive they kept it at two hours and uh, again it can just be a standalone movie even if they make a second one like if you make a second one i think pokemon is probably the greatest the greatest pick in regards to stories if you wanted to pick an anime story where you didn't have to worry about if we decided to do a time skip, like I think the next yeah. one's gonna be like a time skip when he's older, um, our main character from this one, like I, I think Pokemon allows for that because one, we have yeah. so many different games uh, where you can you you're doing different characters. It's been around forever, so all the fan art, people making their own like original characters, and then and, it's Pokemon. Oh, like, also they the, also had source material. Like, Pokemon Live Action was a concept back in the early 2000s and 90s when they did commercials. 
Yeah. So when you unravel the commercial base, they actually had live action depictions of Pokemon in the commercials. So they had something to reference to gauge the live action depiction of the Pokemon, which I think they did really well. I really like the Charizard scene. What do you think? Oh, I absolutely loved, like, I love Charizard, and so seeing, again, like, they just did so good on the, like, um, like, special effects and making the Pokemon look realistic, like, yeah. the CGI team, like, kudos to them, they did an amazing job, and it, it, and it completely paid off, like, even, even yeah. the name Pokemon itself brings people in, but watching them bring some of your favorite uh, Pokemon to life, and seeing them do their do their moves, like I freaking love Charizard. I was like, <laughs> yes. And it's trying to fly with a chain on it. Oh my gosh. Yes, I loved it. I absolutely loved it. And it reminded me of when I first started watching Pokemon. And you would see Ash in the group, like Misty and Brooke, that when they encounter these uh new Pokemon or these different ones, yeah. and then you know, put like having the Pokédex, so you find out what's going on. Like that's how it felt when I was watching um, Detective Pikachu. I was oh, like, yeah. I'm getting the same feelings of excitement where I'm just like, oh yo, it's here! Oh no! Like every single time, I was just like another one. Even though I knew exactly what I was watching, I was still excited yeah. the whole way through. And I've really liked Pikachu being terrified of the I was, what happened? Oh okay, so Pikachu was in the cage with Charizard, and Pikachu was running for his life. And Charizard was yes. trying to it. I also like the uh, Mister oh. Mime scene oh, where they gosh. were like literally like they I forgot was they gonna like waterboard oh. or, or like electrocute him? They were gonna do something to Mister to Mister Mime to get him to talk. And I thought that was the funniest. Like, it was just funny for the sake of being funny. It was like, we don't have to even explain it. It's just funny. <laughs> like, Mr. Mime, like, oh my gosh, they captured the... What they Mr. Mime him. was? Yeah. The invisible box. Put him in a box, made him, like... They were like, we gonna get some answers. I thought it was so funny. And I think <laughs> I think what made it funny as well is that um, when it comes to Pokemon, that is that is one of the animes where I could be like, even though people say want to say, um, they say if they want to say it's uh, anime is just for kids, like Pokemon's for everyone. Um, so seeing kind of like adult humor mixed in in a in a fun way and in a like yeah. actually amusing way into the movie made it so much better. So it wasn't just like stuff that kids would enjoy. They didn't have like any songs going on. Um, they were able to kind of bridge all the different generations who have loved Pokemon and make something for all of them. Well, so, Pikachu is also a nice family movie too. Yeah, like you, like I can literally put it on for like my nephews and nieces, and they will sit there and watch the whole way through, and they get just as excited as I think we did when we were younger watching Pokemon. <laughs> like they, they argue over which Pokemon's are the best, all of that. So. <laughs> I'm just like, yes, yes, growing little nerds. Would you show Detective Pikachu to your children if you had any? Oh, absolutely, I would. Like, How it, the games? I think, would you get them involved in the games too? Oh, yeah, for sure. I, I already know that <laughs> whenever I end up having kids, like, 
I'm not going to be that mom that names her kid like after an <laughs> anime character. Like I don't Holy want my kid to like get bullied. Like I'm, I want to give them a chance. But at the same time, I'm definitely going to introduce them into the stuff that I love because it's how can you not bond over like awesome fight scenes and these cool ass creatures and then playing the games and then they can tell me where they're at or if they like can't beat like another trainer. I'm like, mm -hmm. give mama the controls. Like, I got this. I Yeah, I'm absolutely going to do it. To gauge the success of Detective Pikachu, a hundred fifty million dollar budget. It was about five hundred million dollars. Yeah, five hundred million dollars. Five hundred million overall. They they made their money like three times over. I love it. So, but I feel like the budget they had was sizable oh. to do it because if they didn't have a, a a lower budget than that, I don't think they would be able to do it justice. I really mm -mm. think the budget saved them. It, it absolutely saved them. It's really hard for me to tell me that the... Oh, they could do the same thing with a low budget. It's, there's no way you can do Pokemon with a low budget like that. No, no way you can't. There's no $10 million no. to make Pokemon good. Yeah. Now, now, so we've gone over all of these films, and we're at the part now where we've talked about why we've liked all of them. And there has been a lot of overlapping theories. So yeah. I would say, if you had to choose, what are the top three things that you think are needed to make a good live-action movie? Well, between United States and Japan, the differences between live-actions, Japan delivers the narrative, the uh, United States delivers the aesthetics, but they fail in the narrative. Japan okay. tries to deliver the appearance, and they fail in the aesthetics. So you... The two things for an anime that you need, you need a really good narrative. You need to try to stick to the source material if possible. Uh, you need to set the pacing up so everything sets its place and feels natural. But you also have to make it feel original, feel like the original source in some capacity. If you're not nailing the aesthetics, then you're nailing the acting with, with it too. Like with Ly uh, Obi Eat Your Pancreas. They didn't necessarily have the original actors from the anime, but they scored everything through the acting, and the the actors that they chose did really well to perceive the plot. Mm -hmm. So, if you're going to, like, it's basically that director's choice. Do we... Do we... Like, like if you want to... Let's see. Do we stay with the original look of the anime? Or... Do we go with actors that don't necessarily look like the anime characters, but really good choices to do it? You know? Right. And yes, I'm going to bring up Ghost in the Shell. Ghost in the Shell, if you think it's a standalone movie, it's okay. Mm -hmm. A standalone, if it wasn't an anime adaptation from a live action... It's okay. It's a, it's a decent sci-fi movie. That's not the question. The issue. The issue is the narrative of the story. They messed it up. They butchered the narrative, and in doing so, it created a backlash in the anime community of Ghost in the Shell. Like Hollywood did really good on the aesthetics, but they failed on the narrative. Mm-hmm. 
that is the big turning point that needs to be considered an anime. You know? Yeah, I'm agreed. So what, so you would say aesthetic-wise? Are you saying that the characters need to look like the characters is one of the things that are needed for an anime adaptation? Aesthetics or capturing the actors playing the character? Okay. Aesthetics is two different things. Aesthetics is how well they're acting and they capture the character really well. Or like Gintama, everything Mm -hmm. was spot on. The aesthetics were spot on. The acting was spot on. It looked like the anime into the live action adaptation. So there's different ways that directors use it. If directors choose to keep, uh, let's say, let's say they tried to keep an actor's natural hair color. That's a director's mm-hmm. choice in doing that. But you also have to keep in mind, if you do that, then you're going to have criticism of them not looking like the character. Okay, but so... You can overcome that criticism by having mm-hmm. the character, having them be really well done and acting out the character and acting out the expressions and being just like the character. Okay. So, so capturing the heart yeah. of the story and the characters. Yeah. Um, you have I'm to guessing also budget. Budget, okay. You have to have at least more budget. It's possible with ten million. Um, now you know we're not. Let me give you this: most independent movies are mostly like C rated. If most of the live actions that we see is movies, you know that really, the the movie was really cheap, and a lot of times in Japan they did so. They try to do what the, they try to capture the aesthetics, and it just looks so cringy. No, like Attack Titan. I'm not. You can't. Not. You can't tell me that you can't defend that it's actually a good live action adaptation of Attack on Titan. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry. Like they they failed to even achieve the aesthetics, and they did so well in the narr- the on the narrative. It didn't okay. matter if the narrative was really good. You can't get past the aesthetics. If you're going to risk the aesthetics over. You have to find the balance between aesthetics and the narration. You have to find that balance. If you do really good in one, but then and the other is really bad, it's yeah. going to show in the movie, regardless of who's watching it. And especially the anime fan base, they really critique. critique. If it if it looks like aesthetics are bad, mm-hmm. they're going to critique you. If the narration's bad, they're going to like you butchered this in the narration. Uh, I mean, when I when I think of my my top three, funding for sure is a is an absolute like top one because if you don't have the money, yeah. you're not making the right story. Um, yeah. I also think the story that they choose, um, because it's there is a very cool. thin line for yeah for like for anime fans, we are like the reason why anime works in 
in its like drawn form and why these characters have these eccentric looks or these skills or you know these techniques and everything and also them being able to explain what it is they're doing yeah. um even if it's a paragraph long it works in written form and in when it's drawn um and even in yeah. anime series it works out but for movies i think if there's so much that has to be explained like one piece as a movie you would have to do just one of the arts you couldn't yeah. do every single arc that's in one piece because if it takes the show's creator and the originator hundreds of thousands of episodes just for them to tell this one story as a whole, like this whole overarching story, yeah. um, you're not going to be able to fit that within a, an, an hour and a half or two hours. So I think picking the right story is the most yeah. essential thing. What can you translate or what can you make an adaptation to yeah. that looks good, that makes sense? And that you don't have to, you don't have to either try and just get the shots yeah. and scenes that were the biggest, the ones that resonated with the fans the most, um, and like lose the heart of it. Because you can have all those scenes in a movie, and we've seen it. Like, like I think uh, Dragon Ball Z, the live action, and and um, Death Note are good examples of how Not they had the key elements that were there, like the key things yeah. that people love about it, but they also changed them because they yeah. thought it would make more sense and uh, directors, they shouldn't have done that. Yeah, director's cut or director's vision is also very heavily influenced in the movie. Mm -hmm. uh, that's why I feel that Assassination Classroom did really well. They did the uh, part like right at the end of like of men exams. And then the second movie is Graduation. Yeah, so they cho they chose specifically the story that they wanted to fit within the narration that and the time they had. Yeah, and that's so I, I think that's probably the best thing about anime. If mm -hmm. if you want to capture a movie, then and typically, if it's four seasons, you, you have to capture the first season, the second season, third season and fourth season as a separate movie. That's the issue of the pacing if you try to claim it all at once. That's where the Avatar The Last Airbender did so bad. No, they it, it did bad for a lot of reasons. But yeah, but the, one reason is they, the pacing was so too fast. Well, that's what I'm saying. You have to pick the yeah. right story. I think you're able to do these shows um or do these movies without worrying so much about uh, how long it is, as long as you're yeah. picking a portion of the story to tell. If you're picking a story that some of the greatest characters and the most loved characters that people in the anime community want to see on screen, if they don't show up till way later in the anime or yeah. in a different part than the story that you're telling, don't choose that one. Like, just don't. Because that, that's what doesn't make sense for DBZ. DBZ has plenty of enemies um, in different arcs and different storylines that they could have picked a better one than the one that they did. But then they're trying to cram so much in there. And it, it was just really bad pacing. Really, really yeah. bad. So finding the right story with the yeah. right thing um, and choosing the right scenes. I think eh, I'm thinking those are going to be my top three. 
naturally, I think they'll get better since we're getting more people yeah. of our age being in the entertainment industry. Yeah. So we're having a bit more influence than it just being TV execs or movie execs, just like whatever makes money. Because Attack on Titan is a great anime. Trash in the movies. Like the live action, even though yeah. it, the Japanese one was made, trash. Just bad. Just absolutely bad. I can't even. I can't even see those tight uh, titans being any good because it's just oh, the CGI. The Japan really has bad. Doesn't really have good CGI as it is, and even them having even more of a limited budget is even. It's just they just have a lot of pitfalls in the live action industry in Japan. I, I it's more pitfalls in the United States. I'm sorry, but like. Most of the bad live actions have been produced. They have been produced by United States, but they have been the reason why they didn't do well is because they told a different reason. Japan was really low budget and CGI, and that's how they're limited in producing live action. Now they can make great stories; it just has to take a lot of work to do it. You know, and also one more thing uh, about. Another aspect, you cannot make a movie in an hour. I'm sorry. You need at least an hour and a half to two hours to talk about some of this anime. You need at least a good length film to discuss everything in depth. And if you had to go to three hours to really capture it, then you know you can do that. But you have no. to do it really well. No. If you go to three hours in an anime live action movie, you have to be you have to do really well with the pacing of the story. Okay. Well one, most of the movies that are live action movies, they're about two hours yeah. long. Like they're yeah. two I think, if I'm being perfectly honest, um, because they don't know exactly how to tell the story, the two hours yeah. are way longer than it should. Like the bad live action movies that are out there, um, watching them feels like it takes forever because you're just like, okay, so now this is happening and you want it to be done. Like you do not want to yeah. keep with this. So like the, like, I don't know if you ever, like, I'm sure you, I don't, I don't know. There's one called hot gimmick that came out mm -hmm. in the early two thousands. And it's just basically the traditional, um, like what path story of a girl, um, whose sister has like a secret, that she has like gotten pregnant or something. Somehow this loser guy who goes to their school finds out about it, but it's a big thing that they can't talk about. So he makes the sister like agree to be a, like essentially his slave or whatever. Like she has to do whatever he says. Um, if, so he won't tell the secret. They made that a live action one and it is trash and it takes so long for it to be done. And it's like, it, you're because you're just like, dude, okay, like the manga anime, whatever was okay, but watching a two hour film where you're just not liking any of it, I think if you make it three hours, it would be unbearable. Yeah, like people so, would, run. yeah, and the two hours in the movie industry is pretty standard as a whole. So if they hit the two hour mark, 
you should have enough time to explain the story and pace it out to fit the narrative. Yeah. An hour and a half, I, I think, it's would a little be... Bit, I think it's more rushed. Yeah, I, I mean, there's a lot to incorporate regardless yeah. of the story you pick. So, yeah, I think, I think two hours, there's a bunch of movies out now that are two hours. Um, it's more common to watch a two-hour movie nowadays. So yeah. I'd lend to that. But, you know, an hour or three hours just yeah. is a idea. And this concludes the uh, 13th episode of MC Anime. We talked about what makes a good live action with Gitama, Ryo Kinshin, Want to Eat Your Pancreas, and Detective Pikachu. And that's basically our closing marks. Thank you for listening, and we'll see you in the next episode, okay? Thank you, guys. We'll talk to you later.